Hey, good morning, church. Welcome to week number three of Signs, Wonders and Miracles. How amazing was Peter McHugh? He was live with us on July 11th, and then we showed his video, his message again last week. There's so much in it. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't heard it, to take the time to uh, have a listen, to process, to ponder, to pray, and Holy Spirit's going to highlight some things. There's been great feedback around it, and uh, we are excited about going on a journey personally with the Lord so that I can become a person that walks in the miraculous, that walks in signs, ones and miracles every single day. That's, that's my heart for our church. That's our heart for our church. That it's not just a corporate thing, that we're praying for miracles, that we're not just contending for corporate miracles, but we're actually breaking it down into the individual where each of us takes responsibility takes ownership of our own life, understands the scriptures, understands what Jesus has called us individually to and go on a journey and process with him what the scriptures mean and the ramifications of them and what he had in mind when he said it and when he wrote it. So this morning, I want to share a little bit about my journey because the whole context of our church and the current season we're in and the setting we're in and Echo Church and the name of Echo Church and the fact that Lee and I are pastoring is all on the back of the journey that we've been on. So I want to get straight into it today. I'm just going to share for a brief moment and I want to share some scriptures and some testimonies and some thoughts and what just happened in my heart over 10 years um, to get to the point where a month ago I can pray for a Muslim lady, call a word of knowledge out, her back gets healed and she hears about Jesus. So I just want to, I just want to, that happen in our car park. So I just want to share that story of how it started and, uh, and where the Lord is inviting us all into. Is that okay? Thanks. So Acts 5, uh, Acts 5, 12 to 16. This is a really um, impactful verse um, from my life. Just um, pause this. I was born again 2002. Um, I was brought up in an Anglican church that loved Jesus. Um, I felt disconnected, didn't know that God loved me, didn't understand miracles, signs and wonders, the prophetic, the identity message that he's never had a bad thought about me, um, that his love is kind and patient towards me, that he keeps no records of wrong. I didn't know all that. I didn't know that I could connect with him. I didn't know I could hear him. I didn't know I could feel his presence. I didn't know that he had lots of great things to say about me. I didn't know that I could um, pray for people and they'd get well. So I decided to leave church, run amok. Long story short, God touched me, whacked me, nudged me, and I said yes to him, started the journey. And then this scripture really started to speak to me um, when I became a Christian. Are you ready? Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all together in Solomon's portico, but none of the rest, the believers, dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. Verse 14, And increasingly, believers in the Lord, large numbers of men and women, were being added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried the, uh, the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that Peter came by at least his shadow might fall on any of them. So that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any of them. Verse 16, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together as well, bringing people 
who were sick or tormented with unclean spirits and they were all being healed. They were all being healed. This is post Jesus. We know in Matthew 9, 35 to 36, the Bible says that Jesus was going around throughout all the region and the cities, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And now we move into the early church and Jesus said to the apostles, tag, you're it. I've commissioned you. I gave you power and authority. I've sent you out to go and raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick and cast out demons. And now we see them, real men, Peter, a man who denied Jesus, who fumbled and stuttered and mumbled and bumbled his way along when he was learning from Jesus for three and a half years. Now we see him leading the church and stepping out in such boldness and the miraculous. He he counted the cost. He went on a journey. He laid down his life to the point that God was using him so radically that people would lay out sick people and tormented people so that Peter's shadow would pass by and they would be healed. Incredible. This passage impacted me like no other and it sparked a curiosity and it sparked a hunger within me. I was dreaming about this kind of lifestyle before I ever saw anyone do it. And then this other scripture, Acts 19, 11 to 12, talking about the Apostle Paul. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs or handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched, that that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illness were cured and the evil spirits left them. We know Paul was a tent maker. He was in the marketplace, in the workplace. He was working. He earned money. And then he began preaching and was a missionary. So this is significant. So the thing that he was, wor- he was working, um, tent makers, apron, handkerchief, because of the sweat and the days were hot and humid. The Bible says that they took the aprons and the handkerchiefs and they put them on those that were tormented and those that were ill and they were healed. Peter's shadow, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, this got me. I was confused, but I was curious. I was wondering if this was possible because I saw Peter and Paul as men. And I was wondering if this was possible. And there was a stirring, there was a hunger, there was something in me that was crying out, why not me? And I remember I couldn't shake the thought. For years, I couldn't shake it. And then this final scripture, and then we'll move into some stories. This is another scripture that got me. The the, the Peter with his shadow, Paul with the handkerchiefs and aprons, and then Mark 16, the words of Jesus. Verse 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Who believes? I do. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Other translations say, and these signs will follow those that believe. So those that say yes in Jesus, Jesus is saying these will follow their life. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Verse 19, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them confirming what they said by miraculous 
signs. They went around preaching and announcing the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, and the Lord confirmed their message was true by backing them and using them through their hands, mighty, miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm looking behind my life and nothing's happening. I can quote scripture. My life was just trying to avoid sinning. I was passionate about Jesus. I loved worship. I loved the scriptures. I loved learning. I went to Bible college. I went to conferences. But I looked behind me and signs were not following me. Jesus said they would. I saw Peter, a normal man, his shadow healing people. I saw Paul, a normal man, with his apron and handkerchiefs being laid on sick people and then being healed. Jesus in John 14, 12 saying, if you have faith in me and the works that I have been doing, you will do greater works. These signs will follow those that believe and I'm looking behind my life and I'm ticking the boxes of church, of ministry, of Bible reading, of praying, of doing the Christian thing and trying not to sin and be a bad naughty boy and I'm looking behind me and nothing's happening. And I'm curious and I'm hungry and I'm frustrated and I'm not sure and I knew this was for me and I didn't know where to start. I could never shake it because there was crap going on inside me. There was hidden stuff. There was things that I never dealt with. I wasn't honest with myself. I wasn't self-aware. I didn't think I could share with fathers who believed in me to call out the gold in me. I didn't think... My perception was that I'd just get scolded and that wasn't the case, but it was just what I thought. I was believing lies and I was entertaining guilt and shame. But I went to a 2009, I went to Stairway Church and Jesus Culture was there. And we started um, listening to the worship and it was different. It was like 15 minute songs and presence of God strong. And it was just different and amazing and wild. And it really got our ears pricked up to the more of God. And then this guy called Scott Thompson got up with ripped jeans and a t-shirt and he started sharing testimonies. 2009, a normal bloke gets up and starts sharing testimonies. And I'm sitting on the aisle on the seat on the aisle looking at this guy and he's sharing testimonies of cysts and tumors being dissolved instantly in meetings of Jesus culture after worship. And he started sharing testimonies and testimonies and testimonies of this happening yesterday, that morning, last week, back in America. And this is what happened in me. Those scriptures were stirring in me. The Mark 16, the Acts 19, and the Acts 5. And I'm thinking far out and I'm looking at this guy and this is what this is what my heart was saying and this is what I said in my head I said I want to be him I said I want to be him and I I remember vividly saying but but my life where it was at there was a mixture of crap going on guilt and shame didn't know who I was and I had this stirring and this thing that God put in me about the miraculous and I couldn't live in that life. I couldn't step out. I couldn't maintain it because of the junk going on. It wasn't sustainable because that life requires a lot to live there and to minister to people in power. It requires a lot. And where I was at in life, I couldn't live that way because I was hiding stuff and I was hurting and I was broken and I didn't know who I was. So really, really long story short, 
I shared some stuff with Lee, with um, Mike and Julie and mum and dad about where I was at and consequently Lee and I paused marriage for quite a long time, 18 months. Um, I had to get healthy, I had to get whole, I had to address some stuff, I had to go through a process of health and wholeness, become self-aware, um, own some stuff and go on a journey to get healthy. And for that 18 months, I was at Stairway Church where Peter McHugh's pastoring. And, and there was already stuff stirring the, the, the scriptures. I know mum and dad were sharing some stuff about Bethel. I can't really remember it, but I remember them doing that, giving me some books. I didn't read them, but I remember it. Then I started going to Stairway and I saw that conference with Scott Thompson and that sparked something in me. But then in 2010, I shared some stuff and Lee and I were separated and I started going to Stairway um, where I went to that Jesus Culture Conference and, and things just started to stir. They were, they were talking about miracles. Peter was sharing testimonies of his congregation members stepping out in shopping centers. That book that he gave us all, Priorities, um, he put on the seat on July 11th. That's all about the testimonies. I was hearing those testimonies and I was in worship and the worship was different. The set was going for like 40, 45, 50 minutes, sometimes an hour where the presence of God was thick and strong and they weren't in a hurry and they were prophesying and praying and people were getting healed and it was really challenging me and I was in a process of getting healthy and whole, seeing a counsellor, having sozo, prayer ministry, um, doing some courses, just understanding the way I'm wired and things that I need to get better at and, and, and all this is stirring within me. I wanted to be a man of God that, that went after the things of God, that my shadow would heal people. So I started to go on a journey of health and wholeness. That was the priority, not miracles, but the priority was health and wholeness and we did that. And Lee and I reconnected, rebuilt. There was trust given by her to me. And we started to reconnect. And, and, um, and it was a phenomenal testimony of the Lord's goodness in our life. But I remember when, I, when we were separated, I started just listening to Chris Vallotton's sermons for 40 days, no TV. I started reading books from Bill, listening to sermons from Bill and Danny about identity, about the miraculous, about how the Lord sees me, about what's possible, about how Jesus um, laid down his divinity to become a man, to show us all what a, what a person in right relationship with God could look like. And I began to remind myself of Peter and Paul and the disciples and how Jesus sent them out and expected miracles. And it started to rekindle again. But it was a battle. It was this it was almost an agony at times after I got whole and healthy. I remember I was really challenged at Stairway with all the testimonies, but there was still this thing in me that every time I went to Southland, I'd start to see need. This is a really important part and is going to start to happen over the coming weeks in our church. The first step is that we're going to start to see the need. Before we start to approach people, before we start to step out and pray, obviously we believe in miracles and we believe that Jesus has called us and he sent us out and he expects his believers to pray for people. We know that's true. That's where we're launching from. But the next step is to actually personally see need. Oh, there's a cane. Oh, there's a wrist brace. Oh, there's someone in a um, wheelchair. Oh, that person's got a head bandage on. Oh, that person looks depressed. And we start to notice. We start to see. And this started happening in me. But I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the, 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 the place of um, safe stepping out. I, I didn't have that. So I'd go home depressed because I saw the need. I was stirred up in worship at Stairway. I was stirred up hearing the testimonies and I'd go out and about and I'd see need, but I wouldn't approach. 
and I let that die down again. Long story short, we applied to go to Bethel and it was amazing. And we had such an incredible time. We went to the school where Justin Stockman and Dan Weber were. We were only there for four months, but there was enough in that to again, keep the stirring going. The hunger and humility that we carry is the biggest deal. Paul said, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. This miraculous lifestyle and life living of signs, wonders and miracles every day, everywhere is not for the faint hearted. It's not for the half hearted. It's not for those who will just see how it goes. It's for the obsessed. It's for those who will persevere. It's for those who are tenacious. It's to those who will earnestly desire it and not give up. And the Lord's grace is with us to help us grow. I remember when we left the first school and we were at the airport and I still had never approached someone and it was eating away at me and I was getting upset and frustrated because I knew I was called to this lifestyle. But I remember being at the airport and there was a lady at Burger King, Hungry Jack's, and I remember thinking in my head, I think her name is Emma. And she turned around and her name badge said Emma. And I'm like, oh my gosh. What am I going to say? I didn't know what to say. We we're learning the prophetic, but I didn't know what to do. Anyway, I ended up stepping out and saying, hey, excuse me. God just told me your name before I saw you. And I just want you to know that he sees you and loves you. She started crying. I walked away with our burgers, feeling on top of the world. I'd, I'd finally um, conquered the fear and the pride and the embarrassment and the what if nothing happens moment that is critical for all of us. And after that, honestly, it snowballed. It was still challenging. I still had to deal with fear, pride, doubt, and unbelief. All of those four demons I had to deal with. Doubt, unbelief, fear, and pride. I had to deal with them all constantly. But I tell you what, the confidence that came, the consistency that came, and the momentum that came was incredible. We came back here in Australia. We were back for seven months before we went over again for 10 months. And we just, I just started stepping out. It was a personal thing. It was deep within me that I had to do, I had to sort out. No one else was responsible for me. No one else was accountable for me. This was a me and God thing that only I can own. And I realized that no one else was responsible for what I was believing and what was coming out of my life. We cannot grow unless we step out. My actions confirm what I believe. My choices, actions, and decisions confirm what I believe. We can't just magically grow in faith at home and one day wake up and we've all of a sudden got great faith. It's about stepping out and then going back in and praying and asking questions and listening to podcasts and pulling on authors that have seen this kind of thing, chatting with our friends, encouraging each other in small groups, activating each other in small groups, who's sick, let's pray, then stepping out again, going back to Jesus, hey, this is what happened, tell me about it, reading the Gospels, reading Acts, and over and over again, this is what I did, I'd step out, because I knew if I didn't step out, I couldn't grow. How the heck would I know if I'm hearing God's voice? How the heck can I grow in the responsibility of ministering in power and kindness if I never stepped out? How would I know that he's real? How would I know that what his word says can actually happen if I don't step out? It seems ridiculous, hey? But it's true. Often we just hope one day we're magically zapped with great big 
big faith, but it's a, con it's a consistent, gradual thing that we've got to learn. Stepping out, going back to him. Stepping out, going back to him. Chatting with friends, getting encouragement. Come on! So the testimony just began. Honestly, it just started happening. And I, and I came back to Australia and I prayed for anything that moved. I remember pulling over um, with my work colleague, Michael's brother, Matt Warren. People were, were, would break down on the side of the road and we would just pull in behind them, help them, and then pray for them and prophesy over them. I remember driving home to Patterson Lakes and there was a guy that had skidded into the fence in the pouring rain. And I got out of the car with another friend. I think Brett might have been there. And we got out of the car, pushed his car out, and then were prophesying over him, over his window in the rain there was a guy on site with purple hair and I, I, I was learning about royal identity and obviously purple in the Bible um, is typical uh, a linen ephod purple was about royalty and I, and I went up to him really scared and I wanted to prophesy over him about God and Jesus and identity prayed for him um, I remember signs and wonders were happening all the time we were being stirred up the broken finger I shared about. We're on site landscaping and, and this guy had a broken finger and he, he was having surgery on the Monday and I said, hey, can I pray for you? This is July 2012 before we went to, to go back to Bethel for the second time. And, and it just started happening and I began boldness and stepping out and momentum happens. Was I scared and fearful at times? Of course I was. There was dignity to protect. There was my um, um, reputation. But I, I, I said, you know what? I'm called to this. God put this in me, my shadow to heal people. And that, that can, out of context, can be just bizarre. But, but the heart and the curiosity and the passion that he put in me, I had to go after. We were on the Eastern Freeway one day and my esky lid blew off on the Eastern Freeway up near Doncaster. We were seeing so many miracles and encouragement and prophesying over anything that moved during that seven-month period when I was growing. We were driving on Wells Road one day, a week later, and on the side of the road was in, no, the middle, the, the median strip in the middle of Wells Road on the grass was an esky lid. Eastern Freeway, it blew off because I was landscaping. We didn't go back to pick it off, pick it up because it was the Eastern Freeway. It skidded across the cars. But a week later, we were driving along Wells Road and there was an escalid. I ran out, crossed the road. Matt's laughing in, in the seat. I grabbed it. It's the perfect fit. I'm not saying it was the same lid, but that was a sign that makes you wonder. And I'm telling you, this stuff started happening all the time. I was hungry. I wanted this lifestyle. No one else was responsible for me. And then we went back to Bethel. We joined the healing rooms. We went on ministry trips. I prayed for people with legs shorter than the other. It grew out. We went to Cuba. I saw eyes open, deaf ears pop open. It just started to snowball. We went on a holiday after our, our time at Bethel when we were there for 10 months. Um, we went on a 40-day holiday. And I said to Lee, let's approach one person every day with the kingdom in some way, whether it's sharing Jesus, prophesying, praying for the sick, encouraging Whatever it is, worst case scenario, 80 people get encouraged. We saw so many miracles. It was ridiculous. And we're, they're all documented in a Facebook group. When we got home, we just started prophesying and praying for people. In church, the hunger started. It was just a new thing. They knew us. They knew what we were like. A broken marriage, bad choices. And they saw um, wholeness and health and a person, me, who went on a journey and they know it was a mess and now miracles are happening. It started happening everywhere. 
I remember being on site after we got back from America and I'm praying for a guy during Smoko for his leg to grow out. Last month, as I said, a Muslim lady gets healed in our car park. Man, this is such a big deal. I'm just going to close with this. Matthew 10.1, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Every disease and every sickness. Moves down to verse 7 and 8. And he said, as you go, he's sending them out. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven has come near, meaning it is within reach because the kingdom is in you. And when you go, it's within their reach because you are ambassadors of heaven. You've been sent and given power and authority. It's warfare, a clash of two kingdoms. You carry his presence, you carry his spirit, you carry power, you carry authority. So when you are in reach of people, the kingdom is within reach of them. And he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, Cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And the danger that we all face on this journey is familiarity. The danger is familiarity. Oh yeah, I've seen that before, nothing happened. Oh yeah, I've seen that guy that came, Ahab came, Dan came, Scott came, testimonies, yep. I stepped out a couple of times, but life happens. Kids happen, distraction happens. Sickness happens, hurt happens, offense happens, disappointment happens, expectations that weren't met happen. But this is part of life. And I feel that the Lord is wooing us, calling us and inviting us into a season of this snowballing again and being encouraged again and for us going hard at this again. Familiarity we're going to go after. And I want to encourage you in these final thoughts. This is what we need to rekindle it. We need humility. We need to acknowledge where we're at and where we want to be. Hunger is a really big deal. Identifying what I need to change and what I need to expose myself to to be stirred and encouraged. We need to understand personal responsibility. So humility, hunger, personal responsibility. I've got to own this. I've got to commit to this. No one else can do this for me. I can get encouraged. My small group will encourage me. But ultimately, this is on me to go on this journey. Exposure. What church am I exposing myself to? Who's moving in these areas, signs, wonders, and miracles? Who's got the runs on the board? Who am I going to pause at the moment? And who am I going to press play on in terms of ministry and pastors and teachers and books and podcasts and things like that? What am I embracing? And then the last thing is just stepping out. Nothing will change unless we step out. And that might come down the track a little bit over the last couple of months, uh, the next couple of months. But these are the things, humility, hunger, personal responsibility, exposure, exposure. And then finally, we must step out. Nothing will change unless we step out. But God's kind and he's patient and he's going to help us. And this is going to be a special time. So let's commit to spending time with him. Let's read the Gospels and let's read the book of Acts. And let's really determine in our heart that we're going to get this inner consent thing happening and we're going to move and grow in special ways. 
in Jesus' name. Love you guys.